Hello, and welcome to the 43rd episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. And this week we're talking about Creepshow. There are three films and a TV series in the franchise. This is a horror anthology series, which means instead of one story being told, say, during the course of a two-hour movie, several smaller stories are presented instead. And they may typically be tied together with a wraparound story and have a prologue and an epilogue. And they also may have a narrator and sometimes have a common theme throughout all the stories. There are actually lots of horror anthologies, so maybe we'll do an episode on that at some point. Uh, it is interesting to note when looking at the rankings of horror anthologies that most people have Creep Show at the top of their list, so that's a good place to start. And like last week's offering, which was Scary Movie, Creep Show is also considered a horror comedy because of its campy and dark horror elements. Um, sorry, dark humor elements. Um, that's because it is based on the EC horror comics of the 1950s, which included such titles as Tales from the Crypt, excuse me, The Vault of Horror, and The Haunt of Fear. So here's the movies in the order in which they appear. Number one, Creep Show from 1982, directed by George A. Romero and written by Stephen King. This is Stephen King's screenwriting debut. It was produced by Richard Rubenstein and produced by Laurel Entertainment and distributed by Warner Brothers and United Film. Starring Hal Holbrook, Adrian Barbeau, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson, and Ed Harris, to name a few. And did you happen to notice that that's Stephen King starring in the second segment? So I'm going to have more on him a little bit later. Tom Savini did the special effects. And we've talked about him several times previously on this podcast, including when we went over the Romero films and From Dust Till Dawn. So it's Creepshow 1. Creepshow 2 from 1987, so five years later, is directed by Michael Gormick, who was the cinematographer on the first movie. And the screenplay was by Romero. It's again based on several short um, stories from Stephen King, and stars George Kennedy and Dorothy L'Amour, just to name two people. And did you realize that that's Tom Savini as the creep? It's impossible to tell um, with all that makeup, but that's, that's definitely him. Next up, Creep Show 3 from 2006. So it's 19 years later, so quite a bit of time has passed. And this movie has no involvement whatsoever from Romero or King or anyone else involved in the first two movies. This was a direct-to-video offering. It was directed by Anna Claville and James Duddleson, produced by Anna and three people named Duddleson, James, Stanley, and Robert. It was written by Anna, James, Scott Frizzell, Pablo... Pepano and Alex Ugolo, starring Roy Aberson, Chris Allen, Maggie Avili, and A.J. Bowen, 
who's probably the only name you'll actually recognize in anything else. He was in the radio segment, and he also starred in Hatchet 2 and a number of other movies. And lastly, Creepshow, the TV series, aired in 2019, so 13 years after Creepshow 3. It just completed its first season on Shudder. It's executive produced by Greg Nicotero, and he is currently still the executive producer, makeup uh, supervisor, and primary director on The Walking Dead. Uh, his first special effects job was actually Day on, the, on Day of the Dead with Romero, and he also worked extensively under Tom Savini, so that's how he's connected to the franchise. There are six episodes total with two stories in each episode. Stars include Adrian Barbeau, returning from the first movie, David Arquette, Susan Bell from The Saw, uh, Giancato Esposito from Breaking Bad, Tricia Helfer, Dana Gold, Big Boy, Bruce Davidson, and Jeffrey Combs, to name a few. And the production companies are Monster Agency, Striker Entertainment, and Taurus Entertainment. Where to find these movies? The first Creep Show is available for $3 on Amazon, Vudu, YouTube, Google Play, and iTunes. Creep Show 2 is typically free in most places, so check it out on Amazon, Tubi, and Shudder. Creep Show 3... Uh, don't bother spending any money on this film. You can watch it for free on YouTube. And Creepshow, the TV series, is exclusively on Shudder, which is owned by the AMC channel. Rotten Tomato scores. The first Creepshow, critics gave it a 73, audiences gave it a 68, which is pretty good. Creepshow 2, critics gave it a 33, audiences gave it a 40, so it's dropping. Creepshow 3... Critics gave it a zero, and that's with six reviews, and audience gave it 11. So, unfortunately, couldn't be much lower than that. And Creepshow, the TV series, critics uh, right now on Rotten Tomatoes have it listed as a 96%. Audiences have it at 84%, so that's very high. Uh, the plot, I won't go over uh, the plot in great detail because there are so many different segments involved in these movies. So I'll just hit the highlights and a few things that um, I enjoyed. So the first Creep Show from 1982 featured five stories and is bookended by a story uh, about a boy named Billy who's punished by his father for reading horror comics. And he later envisions the creep from the Creep Show comic coming back to life and doing bad things to his father. So the segments in this movie are Father's Day, the Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, Something to Tide You Over, The Crate, and They're Creeping Up on You. Uh, Father's Day uh, is the first uh, segment in the film, and that's about a woman who killed her father with a marble ashtray. More on the ashtray later. Uh, and so each year she comes back to town to his grave at the family plot. Um... And this time around, some craziness happens, and the guy comes back to life. And apparently, while he was still alive, he was screaming that he wanted his cake because it was Father's Day. So guess what he's doing now? It's really the same thing. And he wreaks havoc on the family. Um, 
And also you'll see Ed Harris just in a few brief scenes here, and he does a very weird dance. I'm not sure what that is about at all, but that's an early spotting of Ed Harris. Um, the second segment, as I said, is The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill. It's based on Stephen King's short story, Weeds, and it also stars Stephen King. So more on him later. The third one, Something to Tide You Over, stars Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson. And Les Nielsen in this one is not doing his usual comic role. He's pretty menacing in this one, so that's fun to watch. The fourth uh, story was The Crate, starring Adrian Barbeau and Hal Holbrook. And when I first saw The Crate, um, and it's stamped on the outside from an Antarctic expedition, I thought it was going to be something akin to uh, The Thing, um, type creature but instead it's some sort of abominable snowman slash gorilla uh, with big teeth he's actually not too menacing he's pretty cute uh, and he makes me laugh so I'm not sure that, I guess that was the effect anyway he's pretty funny um, and the last one as I said there creeping up on you features lots and lots of cockroaches so that's the first movie the second movie, Creep Show 2, only tells three stories, and they're bookended by, again, Billy, anxiously awaiting the arrival of the newest horror comics, and the creep from the comics is Delivery Man. So these three stories are Old Chief Woodenhead, The Raft, and The Hitchhiker. Uh, Old Chief Woodenhead had the biggest emotional impact for me of any of the stories throughout the franchise, and it's an older couple who runs a store that's long ago been bypassed by civilization. Their only customers are members of a nearby Native American reservation uh, who often purchase things on credit. And for collateral, I, I think he's the chief. Anyway, he's an uh, elder in the community, and he brings jewelry to the couple one piece of jewelry from each family and says he can hold that as collateral until their debt is paid back. Um, and then three local losers who are like teenagers show up. Um, and I won't give you away the rest of the story, but the title comes from a wooden Indian uh, statue that's standing outside the store and has been there for something like 30 years. So... Um, that was a good story. The next one, The Raft, I will say the first time I watched it, I didn't really like it, but after I watched it a second time, it's really grown on me. So that one is about four teenagers who are trapped on a floating raft in the middle of a lake, and they're terrorized by something that wants to eat them. It, it sort of resembles an oil slick. Uh, someone referred to it as a sentient trash bag, which is pretty funny. So that's The Raft. And then the last segment is a rich, obnoxious woman runs over a hitchhiker because she's rushing to get home to her husband because she's late because she's been ha out with a gigolo. So she runs over the guy. She doesn't bother to stop or anything else because she doesn't care. She kills him, but she can't shake him because he keeps coming back over and over again. Uh, he'll be like attached to the car or, or he'll be in the road or something and he keeps yelling, thanks for the ride, lady. So that's pretty funny. Uh, Creepshow 3, as I said, there was no involvement from Romero, King, or anybody else in this movie, and it was direct-to-video. It does have five segments. 
which are Alice, the radio, Call Girl, the Professor's Wife, and Haunted Dog. Some people have dubbed this movie the worst movie ever and or the worst horror anthology um, ever. I'm not sure I'd go that far because I have seen some things that are worse than this, but there's really nothing new or exciting to see uh, with these stories. Um, also, the CGI is really, really bad. Really bad. I think I could have probably done better. So, yeah, nothing really uh, good to report here. So let's go on to the Creepshow TV series. And as I said, there are six episodes of two stories in each episode. Some of the stories are originals and some are adaptations. So episode one has Gray Matter and the House of the Head. Uh, Gray Matter is from Stephen King. And Josh Mallerman, who wrote Bird Box, wrote the second segment. Episode two has Bad Wolf Down and the Finger. Episode 3 has All Hallows' Eve and The Man in the Suitcase. Episode 4 has The Companion and Lydia Lane's Better Half. Episode 5 has Night of the Paw and Times Are Tough in Musky Holler. And Episode 6 has The Silver Waters of Lake Champlain and Skin Crawlers. And the Lake Champlain movie is written by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. Um, I'll just list the shows that I that I like best here. Overall, I like the whole series. Um, the intro is great, and the standard dissolve between the comics to live action and back again really works. Um, I also liked how they continued the color saturation from the first movie with bright colors, bright reds, greens, purples, etc. Uh, the whole look of um, the series is just beautiful. It's, uh, it's very, very appealing. Um, people's most and least favorite episodes vary widely based on their tastes. It's really all over the place. You have some people saying one is, you know, one segment is the best and someone else saying, uh, no, it's the worst. So my favorites were the man in the suitcase, then the finger, because I love the character of Bob, uh, Skinwalkers, that's my top three, and then I also liked Lydia Lane's Better Half, and I know that's not going to be popular with many people, but let me explain why. I'm really a sucker for confined space stories where the people are trapped somewhere and can't get out, so that's basically what that was, so that's why I enjoyed that. Uh, the House of the Head I thought was very, very creative, and it does have a number of Easter eggs in it, as do all of these stories. And if you'll notice, that was Old Chief Woodenhead that the girl went back and bought at the store to put in the house um, to try to help the family get rid of the severed head that was in there. So that's a fun callback. Uh, my least favorites were probably by the Silver Lake by the silver water of Lake Champlain, and it's just because I thought the dialogue was a bit weird and the behavior of the characters seemed strange to me. Probably if it was a longer version story and they had more time for character development, I would have liked it more. Um, I also was confused by why she would, uh, why he would carve her father's name and her name in the side of a dead animal. That just seemed very strange to me. So, um, so not my favorite. Um, and the other one that wasn't really my favorite is Bad Wolf Down, and that's 
I mean, special effects were great. It looked great. Um, it's just because we've already seen this story several, uh, in several different versions before, including the movie Dog Soldiers. So that's the only reason that wasn't my favorite. Trivia. Let's talk about some general trivia first. Um, after the release of the first movie, a new comic by the same name was released, so Creep Show, and it was told it told the exact same stories as the movie. So it was written by Stephen King and illustrated by Bernie Wrightston. Taurus Entertainment, who owned the film rights to Creep Show, uh, leased them to HD Films, which made a pilot of a web series called Creep Show Raw, and it was released in two thousand eight. But no other episodes were made, and I have not seen that either. Um, I'm not sure where it's available. The pilot was directed by Wilbur Valderrama, who you will remember from that 70s show and from Dust Till Dawn and a number of other movies. And it also featured Michael Madsen. In 2019, Universal added Creep Show to its Hollywood Horror Nights attractions. It includes scenes from the older movies as well as some from the newer Shutter series. And horror anthologies were particularly popular in the 1980s. Others included Cat's Eye, Twilight Zone, the movie, etc. Before we get into the trivia about the individual shows, um, I wanted to first play you the intro for the original Creep Show by John Harrison.
hope you enjoyed that. I think it's a fun uh, intro. It definitely puts you in the mood. So on to trivia about the individual movies. It should come as no surprise that most of it is about the first movie. So the tagline on Creepshow is the most fun you'll ever have being scared. The movie was filmed in Monroeville, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Pittsburgh. And that's because Romero, of course, was from Pittsburgh. And he leased an old boys' academy and built all the sets there. The budget was $6 million, and the box office was $21 million. And you may not know this, the kid in the intro that's being punished by his father for reading horror comics, so Billy, is actually Joe Hill. Which is, as I've already said, or if I haven't said, it's the pen name of Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. And the reason it's Joe Hill is his middle name is Joe Hillstrom King. And he also wrote um, the last segment in Creepshow, the series, which we'll talk about in a second a little more. And he also wrote Nos 4A2, which was turned into a series that aired on AMC and is currently viewable on Cheddar. Um... There are a bunch of things on YouTube about Creepshow, such as Creepshow Behind the Scenes in Nine Parts, Creepshow Where They Now, Creepshow Filming Locations, etc. So check those out. Ray Mendez, an entomologist with the American Museum of Natural History, and David Brody provided 20,000 cockroaches for the episode They're Creeping Up on You. In the final scene of the segment, in which the room is almost filled with cockroaches, Many of the apparent insects were actually nuts and raisins, as told by Tom Savini. The cockroaches cost 50 cents each and were the most expensive uh, cost in the movie. Leslie Nielsen was a real prankster on the set. He had a fart machine in his pocket and would hit it right before Romero yelled action. Uh, The movie had a limited release in a few theaters initially, and then it went up against Halloween 3 at the box office, and it actually did quite well because by then viewers had figured out that Michael Myers was not even in Halloween 3. Rice Krispies were used as maggots in the segment Father's Day, and real maggots were also used. In Stephen King's segment, um, he was actually very allergic to the makeup that was used, and he had to get shots and take medication in order to make his way through it. So some of that may have not been acting and may have just been him actually itching. I mentioned the marble ashtray before. Um, It is used by Bedelia to kill her father in the first segment, Father's Day. It actually appears in all five segments, so you'll have to check out where it is. Um, And then the final segment, they're creeping up on you, was at one time they considered switching it with the story The Hitchhiker, but they didn't. And of course, as I've already said, they ended up using The Hitchhiker story in Creepshow 2. There's a great article by Gwen from the podcast Horror Homeroom called Creepshow and Father's Day Celebrate Patriarchy. So that's definitely worth a look. So they're horrorhomeroom.com. And uh, it's an interesting critique because it talks about um, 
conservatism, and of course it was the 1980s, so there was little to no diversity. Um, typically, a monster appears in the in horror stories, disrupts the order, and then the monster is eventually defeated and order is restored. And Stephen King has been quoted as saying, horror is as conservative as Republican in a three-piece suit. So that's interesting because I had always thought of horror as disrupting the status quo, but maybe not. So that was an interesting theory. I definitely want to learn more about that. The monster in the fourth story was nicknamed Fluffy, and this was Savini's first fully animatronic, animatronic, yep, you know what I mean, creature. Uh, Savini also appears as the garbage man near the end of the movie. And Vivica Landflores, who played Bedelia, was allowed to improvise her scene at the grave in Father's Day, so I thought that was really good. And Adrian Barbeau was still married to John Carpenter during the filming of this movie. Carpenter uh, ended up making the film version of King's book, Christine. And the world's largest collection of Creepshow memorabilia is at the Creepshow Museum in Monroe, Louisiana. And I just looked this up, and it's a strange story owned by Anthony Militello. I think he was a chef, and sadly he was killed along with his mother during a home invasion this year from something I read. So I think that's true. Um, and this is Creepshow... Uh, Creepshow's film crew was also used in Sleepaway Camp, 1983, which we talked about previously. Creepshow is the only Romero film that he didn't write the screenplay for. Okay, on to Creepshow 2. The budget was $3.5 million. The box office was $14 million. This is Dorothy Lamore's final performance before her death. And that reminds me, I would like to uh, spend some time watching some of her movies. Um, and she also, I think, got her start as a uh, big bang, big band singer. Uh, and she also did at least one movie with Bob Hope, I know. Uh, Creepshow 2, there were actually supposed to be five stories, but the film had to be shortened due to budget constraints. One was later used in Tales from the Crypt. No. Not Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, instead. In The Raft, Daniel Beer, who played Randy, almost froze to death, and they had to take him to the hospital during filming. So some of that was not acting. Some of that was with him really freezing. Makeup artist Ed French was supposed to play the creep, but left the film after they didn't consult him on how to fix the blob creature in the lake. So Savini ended up playing the part instead. Nicholas Cage was considered for the creep. And Barbara Eden was originally supposed to play the driver in The Hitchhiker, but she had to back out because her mother was ill. So I think that would have been very interesting to see Barbara Eden in that role. Creep Show 3, don't have much, but here's what we got. The budget was $3.5 million. And according to Tom Savini and a bunch of other people, Tales from the Dark Side, the movie, should actually be considered the true Creepshow 3 because um, Savini directed it and both Romero and King contributed to it. Creepshow 3, the movie used almost entirely 
uh, use CGI instead of practical effects. And as I said before, the CGI was really, really bad. Creepshow the TV series. The series did not have a big budget. Um, so given the ambitiousness of the stories that they told, I think they really went as far as they could um, and got a lot of bang for their buck. There are several behind-the-scenes videos on YouTube with interviews uh, with Stephen King, Greg Nicoteri, Adrian Barbeau, etc. about the series. And there's a whole bunch of Easter eggs, um, probably more than even uh, what I'm citing here, but there are Easter eggs all over the place to the original two movies. Um, there's an article on Bloody Disgusting called Easter Eggs, Fun Trivia Uncovered. Um, so you might want to check that out. And each segment was filmed in three and a half days, so they had a super tight shooting schedule. And unlike Creepshow 3 and Creepshow the TV series, 98% of the show is practical effects and not CGI. And in my opinion, I know I've said this before, but practical effects are really the best in my book. Um, they make the uh, story so much more real than just slapping some CGI in there. And the show set viewing records on Shudder, so it has already been renewed for a season two. So that's what I have on trivia. Uh, now for recipes, you might be wondering where in the world I could go with this. Sometimes it's hard to find a recipe for these things, but surprisingly, there is something fun. It's from Geeks Who Eat, and it's listed as the Lonesome Cookies of Jordy Varil, which is pretty funny. So basically, these are sugar cookies, uh, peanut butter cookies, and then they have some green stuff on top to represent the foliage of um, his story and let's see prep time 10 minutes total time 10 minutes um, and I won't give you the directions since I will post them with today's notes but they're basically sugar cookies you can melt some caramel on top and then in order to get the green foliage you can get uh, two bags of green apple pop rocks and a bag of mixed color uh, cotton candy for the top. So that's actually fun. I had no idea that existed. So check that out. Um, and then where to find us. So we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean at Food and Frightening Film Fanatics. You can reach us on Twitter at Food and Fright or by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or visit our website at Food and Fright foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com So in conclusion, Creepshow is a fun watch, in my opinion. Um, I really like the short story format because for one thing, if you don't like a story, it will be over, you know, very shortly, and then you'll be on to something else. I also really, really like the comic book transitions between live and... Um, uh, comic and this also helps give you the story a much bigger bang for your buck because you don't actually have to show all of the action you can just put it in the uh, comic panes um, my suggestion would be if you want to get a taste of what creep show is like to watch the first movie 
and then watch a couple of the stories from the series. I've mentioned my favorites already. Um, and then if you like those, you know, watch the rest of the series. I am anxious to see what uh, Shever comes up with for season two. Um, yeah. And I'm also anxious to see if any of these stories become uh, a full-length movie, such as The Finger um, and The Man in the Suitcase. I would like to see those two actually as longer movies. So that's all I've got this week. Um, so have a great week, and we will see you back here again for um, another review of the horror franchise. Have a good one.